Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Evan Wanish from BucksNation.com. We are live on YouTube today, wrapping up the NFL preseason officially as the Buccaneers emerge victorious at home against the Baltimore Ravens. 26-20, your final score in that one. Today, we'll catch you up on all the latest Buccaneer news, including the latest roster cuts as the Buccaneers They have started things off today with quite a few moves we're going to talk about, uh, but we'll also talk about their performance in that final preseason game from top to bottom. I got to say, first impressions, this felt like their best preseason performance, not just this year, but like in a couple of years. Uh, I know 2020, we didn't get a look at preseason at all. 2021 was, was kind of rocky coming back. And then, of course, 2022 last year was all boring. This year, this game in particular, it was a rocky start, uh, but on both sides of the ball, I I think this is the most positive I have seen people say about the Bucs coming out of the preseason uh, in a long time. Not to get too overhyped on the preseason, but people are saying a lot of good things about this game, and I do think that there is a lot that happened uh, against the Ravens on Saturday night that can leave fans with some positive opinions. Yeah. And, you know, actually you say, you know, they got a few days, they have less than 24 hours to get their uh, roster down to 53. So there could be moves that'll be announced while we're on the air. So we'll be on the lookout for that. And while we're talking about it, but um, yeah, I mean, it is, there is some positives. Now I will say with the disclaimer, uh, the Ravens sat 38 players on Saturday, the Bucks only sat 13. So the Ravens did not play any, like many, if any of their starters. So uh, there is a disclaimer there. That being said, they still did look good. And you can't discount that per se. Now I will say the wins in preseason are meaningless. Like who wins the game at the end of the day is, is meaningless. I mean, the, the, two, the 2008 Lions and the 2016 Cleveland Browns both went 4-0 in the preseason. In the regular season, they went 0-16. So it, it doesn't matter who wins or loses, but when you're looking at individual performances of certain players, like your starting quarterback, you know, you could be encouraged by that. Like some wide receivers, like the offensive line, uh, like your new starting left tackle, like your running back, you can be encouraged by those things. And and that's why I think a lot of Bucks fans were on Saturday night. Yeah, absolutely. And, and people have been chomping at the bit to not only see this team come out and Give them, uh, give them a performance worth writing home about, but to see these starters, and that's exactly what we got to see against Baltimore on Saturday. Baker Mayfield was out there. Uh, no Mike Evans, but Chris Godwin was out there for the first time this preseason. A lot of guys stepped up and played. Rashad White as well had plenty of carries. 
And uh, let's talk about Baker Mayfield's performance really quickly. Six for six, 43 yards, and a touchdown to Chris Godwin, who had four catches for 30 yards, uh, seven and a half yards per reception. And of course, he found the end zone. Now, it was a slow start on both sides of the ball. Let's admit that. I, I think after the first drive for both sets of starters, people were kind of wondering what the hell was going on, especially for the defense, because the Josh, defense, yeah. Yeah, Josh Johnson, Tampa Bay Buccaneers legend, made quick work of the Buccaneers defense. I think it was four passes, four catches, and a touchdown on that opening drive. And uh, it seemed like they were reeling pretty quickly, but they bounced back that second series and obviously played well. But talking about Baker and his preseason performance, you know, coming into this year, we talked about the presence of a quarterback competition. It was all we talked about every single week. We were talking about Kyle Trask versus Baker Mayfield. Now, earlier last week, it was confirmed by head coach Todd Bowles uh, that Baker was going to be your starter. And we kind of knew that after he didn't play at all that second preseason game against the Jets. Uh, So with Baker not playing that second week, being named the starter, Coming into this game, we had kind of talked about, you know, is there going to be ring rust? I I know that he only missed one week, but you're building rapport in this new offense with your new teammates. You know, can he afford to miss these reps? And uh, with Baker playing the way that he did, the answer is clearly yes, he can afford to miss a couple of those reps. Uh, Wrapping up the preseason for Baker Mayfield, 14 for 15, 105 yards, two touchdowns, no picks and 135.4 passer rating. Safe to say, as vanilla... That, that, that's, that's, that's in both both preseason games, correct. Not, not this past one. Yes, correct. So that is his cumulative stats for the preseason. But needless to say, it is preseason. And it is vanilla, based off of what we saw in yes. the preseason. But this Dave Canales offense uh, is doing a lot of right things for Baker Mayfield to come out with a stat line like that. I, I think people who were doubting him as QB1, when it was announced, are are possibly feeling a little bit better after the preseason is officially wrapped up, and we saw his performance against Baltimore. Yeah, but at, you know, at the same time, you know, at what three p.m. on in two Sundays from now, that could change. You know, so I think it, it's important. You know, to we're going to find out our answers here soon about whether really you know is. Dave Canales' offense um, and how Baker Mayfield is going to do. We're going to find out, you know, very shortly. And I do think, as a Bucks fan, if you were a little bit pessimistic, you may not be completely on board with Baker Mayfield. Still, you may still feel like Kyle Trash should have got it, or they should have got a different quarterback, whatever. But I still do think at the same time, you're probably feeling a little bit better. I mean, unless you're just the ultimate pessimist who will never, you know, like Baker Mayfield unless he just lights the world on fire. But I think even if you're one of those people that had some doubt, you have to come away from the preseason feeling a a little bit more encouraged uh, about the the Buccaneers' chances uh, this season and their quarterback situation. I think you have to. Now, like I said, that can that can go. Man, that can even go before three p.m. That can be poof. That that gone in two drives on on Sunday. You know, it's September tenth against Minnesota. But uh, I do think it's a positive start. It's an encouraging start for Baker Mayfield for sure. Absolutely. Another thing that we had highlighted on the offensive side of the ball that had to be better uh, in that third preseason game was the rushing attack, and and we clearly saw that. Rashad White got his first reps of the preseason, and 
not to say he was under scrutiny on this podcast, because again, both of us big fans of Rashad White definitely think he has a high ceiling, but a concern was made that, you know, he was missing reps this preseason. He wasn't playing at all in that first or second preseason game. He was being held out with some of the higher profile starters on this team. And and I had uh, voiced some concerns. Well, all of those concerns went away after seeing him run the football the other night. He ran like a man possessed. Uh, seven carries for 39 yards, averaging 5.6 yards a tote. The offensive line obviously did a good job of blocking, opening up lanes for Rashad White because he wasn't the only runner who had a strong night. Sean Tucker, 10 carries for 34 yards. Patrick Laird, three carries for 27 yards, including an impressive hurdle that reminded me of Antonio Brown kicking that guy in the face. Yeah. Uh, but back to Rashad White, this guy looks ready. Uh, I don't want to put all my eggs into one basket. Again, I don't want to get overhyped by the preseason because like you had said, the Ravens sat a lot of their starters. So it wasn't like Rashad White was running against the cream of the crop on the defensive side of the ball. But he did look damn good for a guy that has not played in any of the first two preseason games. Um, what are your thoughts on this run game after seeing what we saw? Well, I just think what's encouraging is that you saw they can have a semblance of a run game. I mean, the first two games, there wasn't even a threat of a I mean, the run game was abysmal. And just absolutely, they couldn't move the ball by running the, foot, by running the ball. They, they, they could not move the, the ball. So I, I think even though it wasn't perfect, and, you know, the Bucks run game was so far, like, gone last year, I do think it's going to take some time to, like, completely turn it around. But even though it wasn't perfect, you know, I, I hate to keep using the word, but it's encouraging because, like, it's better than what it was. And I know, obviously, that's not saying a whole lot. Like, it's, you know, it's hard not to, it's hard to be worse. But, like, it's, it is encouraging that you're seeing, especially with, the entire starting offensive line out there for the first time this preseason. And that's when the run game looks the best. That That's a good sign. It'd be more worrisome if it was the opposite. If they were running well, Pittsburgh and against New York, and then all of a sudden they get the Baltimore and the starting offensive lines in, and then they can't run the ball. That's more worrisome. So I do think the fact that it was the starting offensive line, um, that is a big bonus. And I think that is, I don't know if anybody else feels this way, but I'm just starting to feel this way. I'm starting to almost be more concerned with the offensive line than I am with the quarterbacks uh, this coming up season. I just, it's not that I think the offensive line will be bad. It's just, there's so many question marks there. There's just, I mean, and now that we know that obviously first time talking on the show about this, Ryan Jensen is officially going on IR and he will miss the entire 2023 season. Jason Lay announced that during the game on Saturday night. Now that we know that it's going to be Robert Hainsey, like there's no shot of Jensen coming back. Like there's still a lot of questions on this offensive line. So I, I am a little bit worried about the offensive line. So it was encouraging for me to see them both in in pass protection and the run game be able to play well. Yeah, and obviously we'll get into more detail about the Ryan Jensen injury, but I do think something not a lot of people are ready to say about Robert Hainsey. Are people forgetting that he played all season last year? Like, I know we talk about the inexperience along this offensive line, and I agree with you and how that's going to be a bigger make or break situation for the Bucks this coming season than the quarterback situation. But like Hainsey has a year under his belt. He was blocking for Tom Brady, not to say that that makes him a better offensive lineman 
if he was blocking for any other quarterback, but like he knows the pressure of being a starting center. And I do think that's going to help him this coming season. I think he can use that to his advantage for sure. By the way, shout out to everybody in the live chat, our buddy Gene from Buck, what you heard, Scott Jacks, Christopher Cole, G Vegas, the moderator holding it down. Phones are open tonight, 305-224-1968. The meeting ID this week, 873-6731-9197. Number is on your screen if you need it. Our buddy Gene says he has so much to say. Call in. We'd love to hear from you. Once again, 305-224-1968. Before we talk about the offensive line, I did want to say one more thing uh, that I am excited about in terms of this offense, in terms of what Dave Canales brings to the table in terms of creativity from top to bottom, uh, things that we just have not seen before, like a tight end jet sweep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Kate Otten on a jet sweep is not what I had on my bingo card, especially for the preseason. But, you know, if those are the wrinkles that we are going to see of this offense come the third week of the preseason, I can only imagine what we're going to see by the end of the regular season. I think Dave Canales is just now starting to reach into his bag of tricks and, uh, you know, three games into calling plays for him, but I am just so excited for what he can bring to the table. You know, he, he spoke, I think last week as well about putting his guys in the best position to succeed, playing to the strength of his players. He said, quote, if I just had all of my players on every down, go out there and try and mono mono someone uh, that's just dumb coaching. So, I mean, maybe an indirect jab at Byron Leftwich, obviously not his intention, but I'm going to take it that way because we saw a lot of dumb coaching from Byron Leftwich in Tampa. Uh, but Dave Canales, checking all the boxes, sounds so refreshing to hear him say what he has so far and obviously seeing it on the field so far too. Yeah, no, so far it's been so you know good. He's passed the test. He's passed, like you say, he's checked all the boxes right now. Um, you know, the real thing is going to be when that regular season starts and you start to game plan for a defense, right? When, when you have to game plan for a weakness on a defense, how do you attack that weakness during a game? Maybe that weakness that you thought was going to be there ain't there. How, how do you adjust to that, right? How do you adjust to what the defense has given you between the first half and the second half? How, what are the offensive adjustments that you make, right? Are you going to keep doing the same thing and hope it works eventually? You know, because I think that's one of the things that I'm going to be keeping an eye on for Dave Canales this season. But I mean, like you said, so far, I mean, he's checked all the boxes there is right now. We got our first call of the show. It's Gene from Buck, what you heard. Hey, Gene. Gene, what's up, man? Not too much, man. Um, I, you know, when when they announced Baker Mayfield was coming to Tampa, I was pretty indifferent because I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And then you have Dave Canales, and I, I like bodies of work. I like looking at bodies of work. And last season, the Bucks in preseason looked like a rudderless ship in all the games. I mean, it was it was frustrating watching this offense go when you saw when you know the weapons that they have on this team. Uh, this year, what we have with, with Dave Canales, and again, I'm going to preface this by saying that I'm cautiously optimistic. But what I've seen, I've been very happy with. Uh, I've been seeing adjustments. I'm seeing uh, the play calling to play-to-player strengths. And to me, that's uh, something that, you know, we will continue to monitor that as we go, but I'm really excited and, again, cautiously optimistic uh, you guys, you guys made some really great points. You know, talking about you know what this team is doing 
in this preseason, and it just kind of gives you hope. I mean, even the running game mixed up with the play action, saw a bootleg in there. I mean, just things we haven't seen. And, uh, you know, two-minute warning was or two-minute two drill wasn't that bad either. So, you know, a lot, of, a lot of positives to take away from this and a lot of positive behaviors that I saw throughout the preseason that I'm seeing from players that were stepping up. So uh, a lot to look forward to. And uh, you kind of – I mean, Bucks fans as a whole, I'm sure, are looking at this team differently going from preseason to regular season than what we saw last year where you were just not sure what you were looking at. Well, that's a good point. And I, I think just like you mentioned that, that last point there, I, I think the thoughts of the team from a lot of Bucks fans before the preseason this year versus now when we're heading into the regular season is a little different. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. But um, I do think that there's a lot more people that, are more optimistic or, you know, cautiously optimistic, just like you said. Uh, I do think that there's, this is what we talked about earlier. I think there was a lot of pessimism, you know, around Baker Mayfield. And I think yeah. even if you're not completely on board and you don't have to be completely on board because what he's shown you when it counts is shaky, right? It's inconsistent. There's a reason he was available and he signed a one year, $4 million deal. But I think what you've seen so far is that, yeah, he probably can be a, a solid starter maybe. And who knows where that takes you. So I do think what you've seen so far has been encouragement from not just Baker Mayfield, but the entire team as well. I think the progression week yeah. to week too is, is, is a little different this year because we can buy into what they're building when you can see it change week in and week out, like I know obviously the preseason is is used for getting up to speed, getting those reps. You know, a guy like Will Golston, he used the entire preseason to get those reps that he didn't get in training camp. Like there's obviously all different scenarios mm-hmm. around the field, but there were a lot of things week to week that we took away from the game and we were like, all right, well, you know, after that first game against Pittsburgh, uh, the run game has got to get better. The offensive line has got to get better. The penalties have to get better. Yeah, they gave penalties, up, there you go. Yeah, they gave up almost 150 yards in penalty that first week. And Saturday night against the Ravens, only four penalties for 23 yards against Tampa Bay. So you're seeing improvement week to week. Now, again, I, we're going to say this so much tonight, but it is preseason. So take it for what you will. But at the same time, that's exactly what the preseason is for. And I think that week-to-week improvement that we saw is something that we just kind of haven't seen these last couple of years. And it emphasizes the importance of having a preseason when you're not in a championship window and you don't have just a stacked roster of talent that you can rely on every week, given that they are healthy. So, you know, the young guys that have been balling out trying to make this team, uh, the record number of undrafted free agents that are going to make the final 53 like, this is why this stuff is so important. And, and I think, you know, from what we've seen from Tampa Bay so far, they have obviously given us a lot of stuff to feel good about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one last thing, I'll let you go. I'll let the next person call in. Um, last year, I noticed a lot of confusion. Uh, a lot of players didn't know what was going on. I felt like everybody was on the same page. Uh, my philosophy is do your job, get home with four, and cut down on backbreaking mistakes. I mean, you could have penalties, but just when you have a penalty after you get a 20-yard run, that's just like a back-breaking penalty, and it, it can change the uh, mentality of the team. So what I'm seeing this, this season, especially on offense, is these players 
are all on the same page. I mean, you, you saw some, you saw some problems. You saw a few problems, but it wasn't like last year where you had people that were lost in preseason and it carried over into the regular season. But I feel like, you know, especially this offense, it looked to me, and I've watched the game about three times now. Um, the one thing that stuck out to me is how everybody was on the same page. You didn't see all the miscues that you've seen in, in previous seasons. Yeah, nobody waving their hands, nobody in the wrong spot, checking with the quarterback mm. to make sure they're right. running the right route. Exactly. Yeah, and that's obviously much more promising to see when we talk about just how young this roster is. But, Gene, any last words before we let you go, my friend? Hey, you guys have an amazing show. I'm, I'm always happy when I can catch you live, and you guys keep doing your thing. i got to have you on at some point. I know we've been saying this. It just hasn't happened, but eventually it will happen. Hey, it will happen. Absolutely. Yeah, and we hope to hear your voice a lot more on this podcast as well over the season. Always good talking Bucks ball with you, my friend. All right, fellas. Take it easy. See you, Gene. See you, Gene. Shout out to our guy, Gene, from Buck What You Heard. And uh, again, phone lines are open, 305-224-1968, live on YouTube right now. Evan, I know we have spent a lot of time talking about the offense and Dave Canales and Baker Mayfield. Uh, didn't spend a ton of time talking about Chris Godwin, but he looked fantastic. Again, four catches for 30 yards, finding the end zone. Let's talk about Kyle Trask, the other quarterback on the roster, because I hate to say it for all the Kyle Trask fans out there, but granted any injury, uh, this might be the last time we talk about Kyle Trask for a, a good minute here on the show. Well, and- I mean, you're, you're kind of hoping... But he, he looked good. Another another you know solid performance that shows that he can be an NFL quarterback. Like, can he be a great NFL quarterback? I don't know. That remains to be seen. Yeah, this last Saturday night, we got the most Kyle Trask we have ever seen in a preseason game. 19 for 31, 192 yards, and a got to see him in different situations. Uh, said he played well. Uh, I, I think for Kyle Trask, every year we talked about that year-to-year improvement, this preseason being his strongest yet. But... As well as he played, 19 for 31, 192. Uh, we definitely saw a lot of things, I think, that that may have separated him from Baker Mayfield and not only the eyes of the coaches, but the eyes of the fans. Because unfortunately for Kyle, I, I think there were probably at least three touchdown passes that were just overthrown. Um, you know, I, I think we kind of got to look at when he's under pressure trying to get that deep ball off, you know, it's just not as much of a sure thing as it has been in last few seasons with different QBs. So uh, that was probably the biggest weakness in his game. And obviously that's something that's going to come with time. And part of that time being real time experience in the NFL. But uh, for what we saw, I think Baker, or I'm sorry, I think Kyle Trask looks like a pretty good backup right now for the bucks, which is exactly where they want him to be. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly, you're right. I mean, and that is, I mean, now they have, I think they can answer a question that they had, and that's whether or not Kyle Trask can perform in the NFL to, uh, again, just look like a competent quarterback. The, the first two preseasons, he just, he didn't look like an NFL quarterback. And, and now it's, it wasn't perfect. You know, he made some mistakes against Pittsburgh, uh, against the Jets, who's pretty much mistake free. Made a few things here and there, but you know, it's when you're talking about this quarterback situation, and I think it's important to remember that Baker Mayfield has one been inconsistent in his career, and two has battled injuries. So, I 
I don't think it's not a guarantee that you're going to see Kyle Trask again and stuff, but I also think there's a higher chance like than normal that, that like you could see the backup quarterback, like play yeah, like more than one game for this team. Right. And like fill in like significant time. Um, and to me, what you saw from him in the preseason should encourage the coaching staff and the front office that like, Hey, if the, he needs to go in, like, could be okay, you know, it not gonna be an absolute dumpster fire. So to me, he's one of the biggest winners, I think, from the preseason. While you could say, Oh, he's a loser, he didn't win the, the starting job. Of like, of course, you know, like how how could he be a winner of the of the preseason? I think it's just he's shown the improvement there. And um right now I, I think that's a pretty important step. Yeah, we're coming away from this preseason knowing more about Kyle Trask as an NFL quarterback than we have ever. Uh, simply because of the sample size, the opportunity that he had. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on this topic <laughs> because uh, I already hinted at it on the last show. I just want to ask you one more time for for old time's sake. Was this a legitimate quarterback competition? <laughs> because some people are still floating the idea around that when the Bucks signed Baker Mayfield, that was it. Like that, that they had already made up their mind. And we talked a lot over the last few weeks about how, yes, from you know the point of view of a franchise, it makes more sense to start Baker and then go to Kyle if need be. Uh, you know, it's a more natural transition. It's a guy who has playoff experience, starting experience in the NFL, so that's going to give him the edge. Uh, we even spent a really long time, I think 30-plus minutes a couple of weeks ago, talking about, like, hey, is this a legitimate quarterback competition? And I'm going to ask you that question one more time before we go ahead and turn the page and move on on it. Uh, do you think that the game was rigged against Kyle Trask, or do you think this is uh, 100% the most fair shot he's ever had at a starting job? Okay, I, I think th- there's a middle ground. Yeah, I, think, I, 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 I see where you're going, and I, and I think I agree. Go ahead. There, it's not. I wouldn't say, oh, it was, it was rigged. You know, this was ba- Baker Mayfield the whole time. They just did this to screw around, and I don't think that. That being said, I don't think it was. You know, toss the ball up at half court, fifty fifty. Who gets it? You know, like I, I don't necessarily think it was that either. Um, I think it was. They went into training camp with the idea that Baker Mayfield would probably probably be the quarterback one probably but if Kyle Trask performed well enough and Baker Mayfield didn't which Baker Mayfield's career it's not like he's played flawless football or else he probably wouldn't be in Tampa Bay and he wouldn't be on his fourth team in a calendar year it could have happened so I think it would have taken a lot for Kyle Trask to beat out Baker Mayfield. I think it would have taken Trask to play darn near perfect and maybe not Mayfield, Mayfield to really struggle, but I think it would have had to take uh, a good effort by Trask. Now I'm not saying he wasn't good. He wasn't quite good enough. And I think, and I don't know if people are giving enough credit to Baker Mayfield. Like, there was a stretch there where Kyle Trask looked like the better quarterback. Baker Mayfield was having trouble with interceptions. Kyle Trask was protecting the football. The velocity on the throws was better. And there was people that I talked to 
that thought it was just their opinion, but they thought Kyle Trask was going to be the week one starter because that's where it was trending. But credit to Mayfield because shortly after that, shortly after like that week, like leading up to the Pittsburgh game and then right after the Pittsburgh game, Baker Mayfield darn near cut out all the turnovers. And he started to play much better. And then that combined with the performance in this Pittsburgh game really sealed the deal. And so I think everybody, everybody's complaining about, oh, Kyle Trask, this Kyle Trask. Okay, you, why are you acting like Baker Mayfield was bad? Like, he, he wasn't bad. I If he was bad, I think Kyle Trask would be named your starter right now. But he wasn't bad. So, like, was it a true quarterback competition? Probably not. But was it rigged so far in Baker Mayfield's favor that it just they shouldn't have even done it? I don't agree with that either because neither guy, I don't know. They, they signed to a one year deal with $4 million, $4 million and $4 million in incentives. It's because there was no guarantee he was going to be their starter. And I think there's just, for some reason, fans don't seem to have this idea that there can be a middle ground. It doesn't have to be one way or the other. Well, firstly, I just want to say, as a Florida Gators fan, History shows us, especially in Tampa Bay, uh, some of these Florida college fans can be sensitive. You know, maybe, yes. <laughs> maybe, maybe like to get upset and vocal when their guy doesn't doesn't do what they want him to do. Totally understandable. I get it. Um, no, no, it's not that. It's not that but, they when a guy doesn't do what they want him to do, it's they'll <laughs> defend the guy forever. Right. Uh, but I also think we live in a world where both of the situations that we just talked about can be true. Uh, I do think the Bucks may have gone into this training camp with the preconceived notion that Baker is probably going to come out with the job. But as our buddy G Vegas, the moderator, brings up in chat, it's a really great point. He says, no, it was not a legitimate quarterback competition. It was to push both quarterbacks, Baker to build up to be quarterback one, and Trask to develop into an actual borderline starter slash quality backup in the NFL. It's a great point. Yes, I I think both things can be true. Do I think the quarterback competition, uh, do I think it was slighted against Kyle Trask? No, but just like Evan said, I do think in the world that we live in, Kyle Trask would have had to been beyond perfect all preseason to beat out Baker Mayfield. That first game against Pittsburgh, when Baker comes in, it was it was done. It right throws that touchdown to Trey Palmer. As soon as Trask throws that interception. That was it, unfortunately. You know, that was the turning point. And that's exactly why we didn't see Baker at all in that second preseason game. The the coaches had obviously seemingly made up their mind by then. Uh, Pewter Report, Scott Reynolds, a couple of other media outlets are reporting like, hey, it hasn't been made official, but Baker's going to be your starter. And then it takes a little bit of time. And obviously, we come to find out Baker's the starter. But uh, I, I think we just wanted to maybe address that topic because there's going to be some people in our comments. There might be people chirping at us on uh, social media about Kyle Trask and the things that we have said about Kyle Trask. But I want one thing to be made clear. We have talked about the improvement of Kyle Trask as a quarterback yes. in the NFL. We have talked about his new potential ceiling as a quarterback in the NFL following this preseason and the clear improvement that we saw from year two to year three. And we also acknowledged the context of the quarterback competition and what a lot of people are looking at it. You know, from the outside looking in, you might not see it that way. 
But when you break it down and you pick up these context clues the way that we've tried our best to do over the last couple of weeks, uh, I think we're finally putting the pieces together. But regardless, we are ready for Baker Mayfield to start week one against Minnesota. And, uh, and he is our QB until he's not. And here's the thing. Like, if they if the head coach was in a different position, if you're the head coach, if you're Todd Bowles right now, who are you probably going with as your week one starter? The guy who's had darn near 100 career starts and has been to a playoffs and won a playoff game or the second round pick that hasn't had a career start. If you're Todd Bowles heading into a year where if you only win four games, you probably don't have a job the next year. Like it's, it was obvious. Like, like, come on. Like it just, I, I get it. Right. And and I get it. And Baker Mayfield, like I just said it 10 minutes ago, we may be talking about Kyle Trask again in two months. Like yeah. there is a chance that we will be talking about Kyle Trask again in two months, maybe even sooner. Like, you know, they go zero and four, then that bye week hits. That's a perfect time to do it. If the offense is sputtering. Um, so I don't think Baker Mayfield's locked into being your QB one for 17 games. Not at all. And also his health has proven that might not hold up all 17 games. So, yeah, I don't know. And I don't, it's a little different than the, the, the Florida Gator things, a little different from the FSU thing with Jameis Winston. Uh, Jameis Winston was the first overall pick. Right, and he, right. and he was such a uh, polarizing player, right, with the interceptions and the touchdowns and all the big plays and all the bonehead plays. He's a polarizing player. Completely different here. Like Kyle Trask, you know, it's... Um, and, and I have seen that Florida Gators fans, to their credit, are not as crazy as the FSU fans were during the Winston era. It's, 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 it's still there. You can still tell. You can tell when you're talking to a Kyle Trask, like, truther, right? I, like, you, you, you know, can tell. I, I uh, your to... mic's muted. But um, <laughs> uh, you, you, you can tell when you're talking with a Kyle Trask truther, but it is not on that same level, thank God. I hate to throw him under the bus here. Uh, my roommate is a University of Florida alumni, and twice a week, he's been asking me. He's like, dude, what do you think of Kyle? Like, how's he, how's he looking out there? And I just don't have the heart to tell him. I didn't have the heart to tell him. Like, yeah, he probably won't start. I just wanted to, I, I, I kind of just based it off of what they're saying out of practices and obviously what we saw out of the games as well. You know, I remember after the Jets game, I was excited because I was like, dude, like it was all Kyle last night. You know what I mean? You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. They really let him out there, let him off of the leash and let him rip it. And he was excited to hear that. But I think for a lot of people, you talked about how polarizing of a player Jameis was and the added pressure of the number one overall pick. Like he was the guy from the moment he was drafted. Yes. Like the, Kyle, the franchise guy, right? Kyle has never been in a situation where the expectations upon him are to be that guy. You know, I think mm-hmm. the closest he got to that was obviously uh, the Bucks saying they want him to go out there and win that quarterback battle. But now there, 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 there's some that are mad that he's not playing because they think he can be that guy. Sure, like there are sure. some in the fan base that that think that, and that's that's but, why I would argue that it, Kyle is probably. <laughs> I don't want to say he's a more polarizing player than Baker Mayfield, uh, but no. in the eyes of but in the no. eyes of Bucks fans, the discrepancy. No, 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 no. no. The discrepancy in how good people think he can be. And then the other people who do not think he can be good at all. Yeah. No, I mean, it is so, insane. So, okay, just at me next time, okay? <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I'm, like I said, and that's the that should be your biggest sign from this show. 
that like Kyle Trask has done something good. I, I've been sitting here singing his praises for how long? You know, like I I have said it how it is. Like he played well. Takes like, a lot, takes a lot to impress Coach Wanish. What do we got? I said it takes a lot to impress Coach Wanish. Oh, it does. It does. I mean, you gotta play, yeah. Yeah. Steady improvement. That's what I need. I, right. I need you to show steady improvement. Now, I mean, what would suck for Trask is like on a you know a personal level, what would suck for him is if Baker Mayfield goes out and plays well. Obviously, it won't suck for the team, but like for him, then he might not get a shot. Baker Mayfield gets a new deal in Tampa Bay, and you know, or you would almost and not not almost rather this, but. If the Bucks were to suck and Kyle Trask got his shot, then next year when they have Caleb Williams or Drake May and Trask is the backup, there is no thought about, well, start Trask because you've seen him and he hasn't been good. So I think people would be more mad if he just doesn't get a shot, which I get. Like, I, I, I understand where you're coming from. At the same time, though, you got to put yourself in Todd Bowles' shoes. And right now, a coach that is potentially on the hot seat, he's going to roll with the experienced guy. Like, experience is the key here. All right. We have spent way too much time talking way, about it. Way longer than planned. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just to, to peel back the curtain a little bit. Before the show, we were like, all right, so we'll talk about the game for a little bit, and then we'll talk about the cuts. Like, yeah. It was been like 20 minutes on each. It's been almost an hour. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we so haven't gotten to a single cut. 40, they have made cuts. 40 minutes into the show, we don't have to de- uh, dive deep into this because obviously we do have some breaking news and some cuts to get to, but I wanted to talk about the defensive side of the ball. Um, were you concerned at all after that first series? Because it was a bit jarring. You know, we were hyping up that we get to see the starters. No Levante David out there. No Antoine Winfield yeah. Jr., but you still saw Devin White. Shaq Barrett was out there. Joe Tryon Shoenka, your starting outside linebacker. And they got worked on that first drive uh, by Josh Johnson, Tampa Bay Buccaneers legend. So, you know, after that, they really settled in. Didn't seem to have a worry for the rest of the game. And as far as defensive performances go, you know, we talked about the pass rush getting after the passer, and they were certainly able to do that. They finished with five sacks on the day on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, But that first drive, again was a little jarring. Is that concerning to you? Or is that one of those things that you see and you kind of write it off as, you know, preseason jitters, rust, whatever you want to call it. The first time we have seen that starting defense on the field collectively since January. So are we overreacting by being concerned or what are your thoughts on that? I don't, it's tough because just like you said, that is the first time that you've seen the starting defense in a long time. At the same time, they're going up against the Ravens twos. And it's not, not like the Ravens twos. Oh, they put together a 10 play 90 yard drive, you know, really great. They may look easy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so I do think there is a little cause for concern. That being said, like after that drive, the Ravens didn't really get much. Now the Bucks defense didn't, the Bucks starting defense didn't play a ton more. Um, but one of the reasons I'm not as concerned is because I literally think the, the top three best players on the defense are Vita Vea, Levante, David, Anton Winfield, and two of them weren't out there. So, like, I'm not as concerned because, like, those guys make a difference. I'm a little bit concerned because they're, like, not a 100% um, like, committed to Anton Winfield being ready to play on week one. Like, sounds like it'll be good to go, but, like, there's, like, a little bit of, like, uh, not 100%. Hey, so, some we'll hesitancy. keep an eye on that. That's yeah. That's for next week. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I, I wasn't overly concerned, but still was was a little too easy. But it's better that they they settled in at least. Yeah, I, I do agree. We obviously got to get. Uh, we obviously got to get a good look at the depth as the game went on. A lot of guys playing for their jobs, which leads us perfectly into our next segment as we will talk about the latest cuts for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as they have uh, less than 24 hours to get that roster down to 53. What have you got? Yeah, no, it's just real, real quick. Two things in the chat. So Cade Warner got cut by the Buccaneers. So two people in the chat are recommending teams. It, what <laughs> why, does it have to be a team that Kurt Warner played for? <laughs> like, well, we got the Cardinals and the of, Rams recommended. Of course. What be. do you mean, dude? The movies write themselves. I told you. I know. Um, okay, so yeah, without further ado, the cuts and could be missing one or two, but here's most of them. Uh, and they are coming fast and furious. So I don't think there's any right now live that we missed. Uh, I don't, I don't think, but again, could happen. Uh, Don Gardner, Ulysses Gilbert, Hamilcar Rashid, Cade Warner, as I mentioned, Rodarius Williams, Tay Barber, Kalen Geiger, who I know surprised some people. Uh, Deidre Sanat, who surprised me, uh, John Moshan, Avery Young, Michael Neese, Ronnie Brown, Anthony Chesley, Willington Prevalon, Patrick Laird, Brandon Boyer Randall, Nolan Turner, John Wolford, who I know some people may be like, what? Like, yeah, he'll be back on the practice squad. Like, I think it was an expected thing. Um, CJ Brewer, Pat O'Connor, who I know surprised some people, Tanner Tuala. Ryan Miller, David Moore. That's probably more surprising than the Walford thing. Like, I expected uh, the Walford thing for the most part. Uh, David Moore. And now I did read something about Greg Allman said, like, veteran salaries are guaranteed on a certain date. So they could theoretically have him on the practice squad, but then have him as a practice squad call up for every game this year or something. Um, so that was a surprise, though. Uh, Jose Ramirez. So one of the Bucks draft picks that they, they selected, Jose Ramirez, Got cut. Dominique Daphne, Cephas Johnson, Luke Haggard, Silas Dizani, Chris Murray, and Graquan O'Neal. So, so far, I'm pretty sure that's all so far. Again, but if you're listening to this on Tuesday morning, there's probably more. Um, so, but right now, as it stands, Monday night at 7.57 p.m., those are the cuts so far. No real huge surprises, I would say, besides like David Moore and maybe Pat O'Connor. But so far, pretty much status quo. Yeah, and as you had mentioned, most of the notable names, or at least the ones that people will recognize on that list, eligible for the practice squad. Uh, I don't want to say most of those guys will be back, but definitely some of them. A, a good yes. chunk of the names that you heard will be back. John Walford, 100% at this point, seems to be back. And... um. Got a $5 super chat from our buddy Scott Jack says, enjoy you guys. Thank you so much for donating to the Windy Fund. I need, to get our, I need to get our soundboard working. That way I can either like fire the cannons or cha-ching the cash register or something whenever people super chat. Uh, See, I, the, I wish Wendy's had a song like Burger King. Because right, then you could yeah. Put that on the soundboard and then whenever it hits, you know, boom. Yeah, if only we would have started the inside joke with a Burger King thing instead of a Wendy's. We would have been, yeah. I mean, all the cards would have uh, been played into our favor. But I had the Whopper song ready to go every single time. It would have been awesome. Yeah, I know. But uh, I know we didn't spend too much time on the cuts, but more cuts will be coming. Uh, now, I mean, I will say that now that the fact that they're putting Ryan Jensen on IR, that also counts as the the, the 
the roster thing. So they can keep another player now that they've put Ryan Jensen on injured reserve. So, and I believe Russell Gage. That's two players that they were expecting to have that are now on injured reserve. So bodes well for a lot of the younger guys, but it seems like um, obviously Trey Palmer, uh, David Moore being cut bodes well for a guy, Devin Tompkins and Rockham Jarrett, who the broadcast on Saturday night was saying Rockham. Yeah, yeah. Like, up so until that point, I, I'm gonna call him that. I'm not gonna call him Rakeem. Like I'm gonna call him, you know, Rockham Jarrett. Um, Rockham Sarkham whatever. Jarrett. Uh, yeah, Rockham. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. See, that's great. He, yeah. He's got to get like t-shirts made. Saying. Um, but uh, yeah. So those are it right now. There will be more. And we'll see if they add anybody else because NFL teams, all NFL teams are doing this. So there are hundreds of players going to be available over the next 24 hours. So we will see if the Buccaneers add any of them to the mix. As we wrap up this week's show, uh, last call calls 305-224-1968. The meeting ID is 873-6731-9197. The number on your screen. So, we mentioned it briefly, but I did want to take some time to talk about it. Obviously, Buccaneer center Ryan Jensen being placed on season-ending IR, announced by Jason Light during the game, which I thought was class, by the way. I, I'm glad that I didn't have to read that from a Rick Stroud or a Greg Allman Twitter update, and I got to hear it from Jason Light himself. You know, I think the next best thing would have had Ryan Jensen in the booth himself saying it, but obviously that's you know not great news for him. Uh, quote, in the report that came out from Ian Rappaport, it said, uh, the injury is so significant that Jetson likely had played his last down in the NFL. Now, I'm not sure who that quote comes from. I don't know if that's just the agent texting Ian Rappaport and like that's what he copy and pasted into the tweet. That's what some people were saying. I don't think Jason Light had mentioned anything about a career-ending injury uh, on the broadcast. And Ryan Jensen had even said himself on the podium after the game how it breaks his heart being placed on IR, but he's going to work as hard as he possibly can uh, to not only get his knee healthy again, but to get back to the level of playing football, which we know mm-hmm. is going to be incredibly tough. But if anybody can do it, it is certainly Ryan Jensen at 33 years old. But, you know, we talked about the possibility of this last week before it was announced, and um, he wasn't making any good progress. And since then, we obviously get the full update. Here we are. He'll be gone for the entire year. Incredibly tough break. Uh, obviously going to miss the second year of that three-year, $39 million contract. Second not, straight year. Yeah, not to bring the contract details into it, but I do feel like from a news point of view, it is important. Um, but regardless, no matter what way you look at it, a huge loss for this offensive line in Ryan Jensen. Uh, this is a young offensive line. We have talked about that all preseason. And... The inexperience factor is going to show Um, the turnover that we have had on this offensive line from last season to now. uh, Fun fact for anyone who may not be keeping track. Tristan Wirfs is now the only starting offensive lineman for the Bucs from that Super Bowl team. Uh, (laughs) The rest of them are gone. And he's playing a different position now. Yeah, Aaron Stinney's still (laughs) on the team, but not slated to be a starter as he did start. Well, Tyler Hainsey was on the team. Yeah, but he did not start. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. He was not on the team. Robert Hainsey was not on the team. He was drafted that that year. Sorry. It's okay. It's all right. I I correct myself when I'm wrong. Look, the Ryan Jensen stuff, like, speaking of right and wrong, like, it's one of the few times that I hate being right. You know, like I, I had, I had a gut feeling that I did not know anything, but like, just didn't seem, didn't seem right. 
you know, something, something seemed off. And the fact that the Buccaneers, they're not going to come out and say it. Jensen wasn't going to come out and say, it. I know a lot of people were, were asking me like, so, so is he, is he going to announce his retirement now? I was like, no, like he's going to try to yeah, come back. I, it's I, just, you might find out pretty quickly that like this ain't going to work, you know? And, um, Ian Rappaport's tweet, he heard it from somebody. Like he wasn't just guessing, like right. somebody told him that and it's probably going to be true. So it sucks because really good center and it sucks when a career has to end that way. Right. He doesn't get to decide. He doesn't get to deal, go out on his own. Th- it's just like edge in the WWE when, when, when he had to retire in 2010, like he always talked about that when he came back here now. Or 2011, whatever that was. You know, he didn't he didn't get to go out on his own terms, and that sucks whenever a player has to do that or any sort of athlete, and um, especially when it's a guy like Ryan Jensen who's such a leader and such a great player for the Bucks. Uh, it does suck, but I know we're talking about like his career's over. I would say it most likely is, but you know, not not completely. If if he was going to close the door, he could have closed the door right at that press conference. Yeah, you know, he could have said I'm done, and he, and he didn't. So like, he's gonna he's gonna try his best. You just hope that he doesn't try so hard that it hurts his future, right? Because you don't want ten years down the line to have serious issues in your life because you tried to play one more year. And that's the thing I think a lot of people are are missing sight of as far as this entire situation goes. You know, people are very quick to say, "Oh, he should have got the surgery." You know, the reason this didn't heal property is because he chose to do stem cell and he should have got the surgery. He could have been playing by now. We don't know that, man. We don't know that. One, everybody's body is different. Uh, Two, 99% of the people who are saying he should have got the surgery are not offensive linemen in the NFL. And they're also not doctors. So Right. And, And the third thing is that those people are not doctors. They are not medical experts. And from what I had heard... Uh, we mentioned this on the show a couple of weeks ago, but you know, people were saying, I think Ryan even said it himself on the podium. Yeah. Had he elected to get surgery, his career more than likely would have been over at that point. Um, obviously the door still open a little bit, didn't progress the way that he wanted it to this season. He put in a lot of work. Um, but I think not only is he trying to keep his football career in sight, but just like you said, this goes beyond football. Like this is a lifestyle decision for him. Uh, had he got that surgery, maybe he would have been good to go for one, two, maybe three more years. But you know, if he can't walk after his NFL yeah. career uh, and he can't play with his kid and spend time with his family, like that is a much bigger deal. Yes. I think than anything he could have accomplished on the football field. So for Ryan Jensen, we obviously wish him the best. We wish him a speedy, clean recovery at the end of the day. I don't even want to say speedy recovery because it's already taken over a year, but would like to see him come out of this with uh, a clean bill of health. You know? Yes. That, that's that's, that's the most important thing. Absolutely. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he puts on pads and a helmet again. Like, it's, it truly does not matter. Like, then that honestly, like, and I'm not, he's a grown man. I'm not telling him what to do, but that should be the priority, right? Like, not going back, you know, you want to play football. I get it, right? But, like, I just, my hope is that he doesn't want to come back so bad that he risks his future that 15, 20 years down the line where his life is changed, right? Like, you hope he can just, after his football career, he can live a normal, comfortable life. That's what you hope. I think if you're Ryan Jensen and, and you look back, you know, at what you brought to the table. He fought like hell 
last season to be ready to go for he, that he wild came card back, game. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. He came back like, and played. Like, I don't think anyone expected that. And if you're Ryan Jensen, and if that is your last time stepping on the football field and you get to do it with your quarterback, you know, he wanted to go play with Tom. Like, I think a lot of people knew that that was going to be Tom's last run. And he wanted to be a part of that. And he was, even though it was a loss, it was a disappointing loss. Uh, he went out there and he went out on his sword, as a lot of people mm-hmm. have said. So for Ryan Jensen, obviously, again, we wish him nothing but the best. And uh, hopefully he can come back sooner than later. But one more question I want to ask you as we close out the show. This is an interesting point brought up by our buddy G Vegas, the moderator. He says, Greedy Williams is a known name defensive back that got cut this week. Some team may take a chance on him. Are there any players that you have seen released that not only surprised you, but maybe you could see the Bucks taking a chance and picking that guy up? Well, as far as Greedy Williams goes, he was released by the Eagles like a week and a half ago, two weeks, and nobody has even bit. He was not very good for the Eagles. I would probably stay away. Um, the name I'm more interested in got cut today by the Houston Texans. That's Desmond King. Um, he can play slot corner if you need him to. They, Christian Isian will be the nickel. Uh, Todd Bowles has confirmed that, but he's an undrafted free agent. Like, if you want a more experienced player there, I think Desmond King could be an option. I loved him pre draft. His career hasn't quite quite, quite turned out. Just like, I'm going to use your, your word. Words are hard. Dude, they are. Um, they are, especially, especially when we're this late in the podcast. It's like yeah. they get more tough. Um, his career hasn't quite turned out the way he wanted it to or the way I expected it to. Like he went in the fifth round. I was ready to take him in the second round. Like I, I, I loved his college tape. Um, like I said, he has experience with power returns and kick returns too. The Buccaneers need that. So he's a guy I would look at. I don't know, you know what he's exactly looking for. Uh, the Bucks don't still don't have a lot of money and like that matters still. But um, as far as other guys go, not a whole, whole lot right now, but again, there's still a little bit of ways to go before you have to, you know, fill out the whole thing. So, and teams are still making their cuts. So there could be more players available here. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap on the 2023 NFL preseason for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The next time we talk to you, it will be our season prediction show. Excited for that. We're going to take a look at the 2023 schedule for the Bucs and go week by week, breaking down whether we think they will win or they will lose. Uh, we usually do pretty good Last year, I think, was probably the worst year we've had since we started doing record predictions, if I'm not mistaken. I think I picked the Bucks. I want to say 11 and 6 last year. I, I think I went 11 and 6 as well. And obviously, we were both wrong by a few games, but uh, we had a. We had a good, it, it, it broke my three year streak of yeah. being dead on. Yeah, we had a good streak. I had a two year streak. You had a three year streak before that. So. We are just a couple of days away from that show. It's going to be a long one, by the way. It seems like that always is our, one of our longest podcasts of the year, but one of our favorite podcasts of the year as well. It uh, is. It's, it's my favorite show. I, I love going through and doing that. Yeah. So I'm thinking Thursday, Thursday night? Thursday. Thursday is when it's going to be. Well, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much to everybody hanging out with us. In the live chat over on YouTube, G Vegas, AJ, Scott Jacks, our buddy Chris Cole. Thank you again, Scott, for the $5 super chat. Jarek Frolic, MK, Mikey Kelly. And uh, shout out again to our buddy Gene from Buck What You Heard for calling into the show. Make sure you tune into him. If you like good yes. laid back Bucks conversation, uh, Gene is the go to for it. Like, I try to be as, I'll say semi professional because. 
you know, I'm not as buttoned up as I could be, but I try to be as professional as I can when I go on other podcasts. But whenever I have Gene on, dude, I just got to crack open a cold one before I go on there. Like, I don't, it, it's just, it's such a welcoming atmosphere. You know, it's like, it's like if Cheers was a Buccaneers football podcast. That's what Buck What You Heard is to me. I love it. It's warm, and I feel welcome every single time I step into. Uh, All right, so we, we probably won't do it on this show, but if you want to see me and Rhett crack open a cold one with, with, with Gene, <laughs> head over to Buck What You Heard whenever we're on there, all right? Yeah, we're definitely going to have Gene on a lot this season, and maybe we will be on his show as well. Thank you guys again. Uh, follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcasts. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. Uh, I know with the cuts, it, it might be a weird week, but do you still have the stock report coming this week? Probably not because of the cuts. Um, a lot of news coming out. And honestly, like the thing about the stock report is I you have to have stock stock down, right? Yeah, and yeah. Couldn't come up with many people. So it could sort of bailed me out a little bit. But the stock report will be, uh, I believe, um, is planned to be a regular season thing every week, no matter what. So because no matter what in the regular season, I think you can you can say somebody's stock is down. Not, not everybody's gonna play a perfect game. So um yeah, so that that should be the regular season. The regular season's coming up, so stay tuned to BucksNation.com for all updates on the Buccaneers and the games and coverage and everything like that. So it's going to be a fun year. Sounds good. Can't wait. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram, Facebook, uh, not Facebook, uh, Threads, and Twitter, at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. I'm your host, Rhett Matthew, signing off from my co-host, Evan Wanish. Thank you guys again for tuning in this week. The next time we talk to you will be our season prediction show, so do not miss it. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you for listening, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.